dismissed for youth ministry today. The rest of you are stuck with me. <laughs> so uh, if you would open your Bibles, in fact, um, there's a few verses that I want to look at, but if you open to Isaiah chapter 6, um, it's probably one of the main verses that I want to look at today. And uh, I'm wrapping up. I've done three weeks on serving. In fact, the uh, title today is Send Me. And we'll look at that with Isaiah. Let me recap for a quick... Any of you remember that uh, TV show 24? And they always recapped the last... So I'm going to do a quick recap in 24 seconds. That's probably too fast. So we've been looking at Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter... Or in Mark chapter 10. In fact, he says this, uh, these words... For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But if you backed up and looked at before he said that in Mark and Matthew, they give a two different pictures about it. Matthew reads that James and John bring the, brought their mom and knelt down before Jesus and said these words, said, um, would you remember my two boys when you get to heaven, and can one sit on the right, and can one sit on the left? On their knees in front of the other disciples. Can you imagine saying that, somebody saying that? In fact, the Bible says it displeased the disciples. I don't think the word displeased is enough. It probably infuriated them. Well, in Mark 10, we read that it was James and John, and they must have caught Jesus before anybody else, and they wanted to be recognized. Can we sit on the right and the left of your throne in heaven? Would you even say anything like that? And that's when Jesus comes and he says this. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In Acts chapter 6, one of the early church problems wasn't persecution. It was complaining. In fact, the word is arguing there was a daily distribution, and the Greek-speaking Jews were being left out, they say, by the distribution. And they said it was the Jew, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, they're getting the good stuff. We're getting all the leftovers. And so the apostles laid hands and appointed seven. Laid hands that seven that would serve the tables. But you know what the Bible then says about Stephen? Stephen did wonders, miracles and signs among the people in his serving. Well, we said that before. He's listening to needs. He's serving people. He's praying for people. He's the first martyr that we read about in the church. And many of the other apostles, we don't even hear about them later after Acts, but Stephen we hear about. And he had that heart to serve, and God did mighty wonders through him. And then last week we looked at Matthew or Romans chapter 12, well, Paul talked about the different gifts, and he refers to the gifts being a body, but us being a body of the Lord, and how important the body is working together. It would be like this morning if you were trying to get up and your legs decided they just weren't going to go today, right? And you get out of bed and you drop down because your legs quit on you. Now, I don't think that happened to anybody. Or your eyelids this morning just said, you know, what? I'm not going to open, not going to do it. I see the sunlight. Oh, some of you might have done that. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Those things, the body functions. It's amazing how God created us. It functions. It does things. And that's how uh, the body of Christ 
was created to work together to serve him by serving his people. But I want to pick this up in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, and look at this one verse for just a minute. Isaiah, if you read back earlier, has a vision of the throne room of God. Yet in verse 8, he hears a conversation taking place, and we'll read here in a minute, we're going to read the word us, which when we read the word us, many of your Bibles will capitalize that. That is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We read that in Genesis, and we read that Hebrew word Elohim, which is the three. So in Isaiah 6, 8, it says this, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? There's that question. Who should we send? Isaiah's right there having this vision. Who is going to go for us? And here's what Isaiah didn't do. Here am I, Lord. Send me. He probably had no idea what was about to happen in his life. There's n probably not a scripture that we read about uh, sometimes in the New Testament that the prophet Isaiah is not mentioned. The prophecies that he gave, the picture of Jesus being crucified, the, the description of our healing that's mentioned in Isaiah came through the prophet Isaiah. He didn't know that ahead of time, but you know what he knew? I'm right here. You can, you can send me, right? Right here, Isaiah. And that's who the Lord sent. And I, I wrote this down. I thought, um, God needs more of us to speak for him. He needs more of us to say, here I am. Send me instead of, I think they're really good, right? They're more gifted and talented than I. They can speak better than I. And remember, that's not how God works. God takes David, who's out with the sheep. He's forgotten about. He's not invited to the dinner, but he's the one that's anointed. He grabs all of those that sometimes are the misfits and sometimes are the ones that don't know any better and sometimes aren't the ones that look gifted, and he's going to take them because their hearts are right before the Lord, and he's going to use them like he uses Isaiah, where he says, Here am I, Lord. Send me. You know, I remember I was thinking back, my first sermon that I ever gave, and I talked a little bit last week, I served at my church, Valley Community Church in El Monte, three years of vacuuming and painting and painting and painting and vacuuming and the blower and the hose. I knew that blower's first name and last name, and I met his family. That's how good I am. Three years, right? No preaching, no nothing, but I was content. In fact, I read, I'll never forget reading I, uh, Psalm 84.10. And David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, right, than anything. I'd rather be, and I remember I thought, you know, if all I am is the painter, 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 I'm, I'm content to serve the Lord that way until our college pastor, Gil Dearman Jr., came to me and said, I'm going to be on vacation for two weeks, and could you speak to the college group? And I said, sure. Um, do you need to get that checked with anybody? You know, can you cut me loose? So I remember I was prepping for this message, and I, I studied for two weeks, and I looked up Greek words and Hebrew words and illustrations, and I wrote everything out, and wrote everything out again, and had all my notes. And uh, back in those days, we had junior high, high school, and college all together for worship. 
and when we dismissed, the college went to a room, it was called the fireside room, because it had a fireplace. They just called it fireside room. Had these accordion doors that shut, and I'll never forget the yellow chairs set up, because I'm the guy that set the chairs up, right? Yellow chairs all set up, and here's all maybe 25 or 30 college students, and I'm getting ready to preach, and I'm nervous as can be, and I know I've got from about 7.30 to probably 8.20 to teach, and I jump into it, and I get going, and I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm giving all the illustrations, I'm giving examples, and I'm going, and I prayed, and I looked up, I think I had spoke for less than 15 minutes. And I remember looking at the clock, and I said, well, you're dismissed. Oh, it pleased everyone. They all left, they went out to eat, and so I'm coming back next week. And I was just nervous, and I, I tried to do it again. I prepped, and I prayed, and I wrote, and I rewrote, and I put examples down, and I finally get college group again. They're all back, and they probably made dinner reservations because they figured, you know, if he did 15, he's probably going to be less. There was probably bets going on. And I went an hour and 10 minutes or something. Half of them were asleep, you know, checked out, this is before you had phones. They would all been on their phones back in that time. And I remember leaving. I was so discouraged after that. I thought, I just think I want to paint. This is hard stuff. One minute, I'm 15 minutes. Next thing, I'm an hour and a half. And I'm all over the map. And I bored everybody. And they were more excited to go out to eat than anything else. But you learn when you say, here am I, Lord, send me. Right? You learn those things. But you have to say, send me. I want to read this. It's in your bulletin. We... I know it's on our website. I mention it time to time, but it's a, a really a, just a statement of a mission of our church. And I want to read this again. And it says this, we look to Jesus to serve our neighbors, our nations, and our generations with his love and power. We look, Psalm 121, right? We look to Jesus to what? To serve. We look to Jesus to serve. Who is my neighbor? Anybody that I can help, right? Who is my neighbor? Nations. We blessed other nationalities today, other nations that are represented. Generations. I look around here, we have all different aged people, generations, but we look to serve. That's the heart of Jesus. We look to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. I want to read it out of the New Century Version, and it says this. In the church, God has given a place first to apostles, second to prophets, third to teachers. Then God has given a place to those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healings, those who can help others. We call that help ministry. Those who are able to govern and those who can speak in different languages. Notice that the focus many times comes on the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. In fact, New King James pastors, teachers. Uh, Ephesians says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. We read that one helps. You know, back in those times, uh, they weren't thinking of all the kids' ministry things that you have. They weren't thinking of a coffee ministry. <laughs> all of those different. In fact, I think it's the Holy Spirit that put helps in there. Now, I've met over the years, and you have too, people just say, I've got the gift. I'm not going to serve or wait tables. i got a gift to preach. That's just what I am. I, are you preaching anywhere? No, I'm waiting for you to let me preach on a Sunday. Well, go preach at the convalescent home. No, I want to preach. I'm supposed to preach in the church. Well, the church is anywhere God's people is, right? So 
But I'll never forget reading this verse, and one of my Bible college professors read it to me first. Uh, James 3.1, it says this. Many brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you will receive a stricter judgment. I remember Larry Powers. I can see it in my mind today. One of my first Bible courses, and he had the pulpit here, and he was shaking his head, shaking his head, rubbing his beard, shaking his head. He started to weep, and he read that verse. And he says, you may be coming to train for ministry, but let me let you know that there is a stricter judgment over you because you teach the Word of God. I know that that semester that there were students that left because the minute they hear stricter judgment, I don't want any part of that. You know, and I've looked this up time to time. What is the what's the stricter judgment? Well, I think it could mean one or two things. One, it could be of the rewards that are given to us in heaven that Jesus gives at the judgment seat of Christ. The stricter judgment could mean that some of those rewards are taken away. Yet Jesus said something very interesting in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he goes on, he talks about people that prophesied in his name, people that cast out demons in his name. And so, again, those that aspire to teach, 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 need to know something. There's a stricter judgment. You know, there's always, you know, being the firstborn, if any of you are the firstborn, it always seems like the firstborn, they try everything out on. They go to classes, they read books. Second and third, right, they got a little bit easier because oh, I'm just too tired. <laughs> I'm not going to mess with you. Stricter judgment. So when I read this, I remember this. We're all going to be judged. But here's what we're going to be judged on. How I lived my life for Jesus and how I served him. It's how I lived my life for him and how I served him. There's a lady by the name of Pearl Good. She probably was the original old lady from Pasadena. Pearl, um, years and years ago, started to pray for Billy Graham's ministry, especially when he would come into Pasadena. Uh, in fact, the Billy Graham Association called Pearl their most influential intercessor because she prayed constantly for their ministry. So many, many years she prayed in secret and nobody knew that she was praying until one year she was able to finally attend a crusade personally to be on site. She lived to be 90 years old and at her funeral, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said these words, here lie the mortal remains of much of the secret of Billy Graham's ministry. She wasn't a preacher, a missionary, or an author. She didn't have a hit on the Christian radio, but Pearl did her part just as surely as Billy Graham did his. While Billy was out preaching, Pearl was praying. While Billy was doing her part, Pearl was doing her part. He would look back on his ministry and be thankful. In fact, one of the readings that I read about him was he said, um, she's the one in heaven that's going to receive the rewards for the things that aren't seen. 
So I'm not to worry about what anybody else is called to do. I'm to be concerned about what he's called me to do. You're to be concerned about what you're called to do. And we all have a part to play in getting the gospel out. The question is, are you making sure that you are doing yours? And part of growing is we get an opportunity to use our gift. And I love this out of the New Century Version, Ephesians 2.10. I love how it says this. For we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you're, don't say they're a piece. Tell them they're a masterpiece. Right? You're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. You're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. He's planned for you to do good from a long ago. So it's serving him by serving others is the reason that you were created. And I always think of this shame on churches and us in ministries that wear out people that are serving. Serving always comes by a joy of somebody's heart. Yet many times there's events and things that require extra work and extra time, but it's something uh, that should be a joy to do. Everyone is busy. But here's what I think Jesus would say. But this is part of the ministry of Jesus. It's his ministry. In fact, I looked up a couple. You know, I've had people over the years that have given funny things. I'm so busy, and they use this phrase. I read one. Uh, I'm so busy, I'm like a mosquito at a nudist colony. I'm so busy, I'm like a cat trying to bury turds on a marble floor. <laughs> I tried to picture that. <laughs> Maybe somebody look up on YouTube if somebody tried to, tried to do that. You know, we used to, we used to call it, uh, you had to be cautious of, especially with church, is they call it light bulb ministry. We get a new bulb, screw the bulb in, we turn it on bright, we leave it on, right? On, 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 on. Oh, it burns out, unscrew it, throw it away, put a new bulb in. <laughs> That's not the way to serve, right, the Lord. We want to serve him. It's with that heart. We look to him to serve. I love what Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for what? You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do it heartily under the Lord. You know, there's somebody right now that's holding maybe one of your babies and maybe just changed the nastiest diaper because they just brought it full and loaded, right? Passed them off. But they're not doing it unto you. Who are they doing it unto? The Lord. Somebody cooked and fixed food today. Not unto you, but it's a gift of unto the Lord. If we have that heart, if we re can remember that, having that heart, that it's not unto men, it's unto the Lord. So even if somebody doesn't like what you did, you did it unto the Lord, because the Lord is the one that rewards. And it's because you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. David said it good, I love it, it says, Psalm 100, verse 2, the beginning, he says, 
I serve the Lord with gladness. Right? I serve the Lord with gladness. I'm serving him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Apostle Paul says this. So my dear brothers and sisters, stand strong. Do not let anything move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Listen to what he says. Because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. How many of you have ever done a big project at work? Spent hours, extra time thinking about it for that project to get thrown out? You think all of that time and I gave up a Saturday and I... Here's the thing with the Lord's work, it's never wasted. It's never wasted. He is the one that rewards. And I think that's Isaiah's heart when Isaiah reads uh, Isaiah 6, 8. Because he hears what the Lord says. Who, who are we going to send? Who's going to do our work? And he says this, here I am, Lord. Send me. He doesn't know what he's about to sign up for, but he's got that heart send me. Bow your heads if you would today. In fact, let me first end with Isaiah. In, in your heart, would you say those words? Lord, send me. Lord, send me. He can work out every detail. He can work out every problem. He can work out every time schedule. He sees your lying down. He sees your waking up. He sees your beginning. He sees your end. And when we do it, we do it unto him. Not unto men, we do it unto him. And he he's the one that rewards. So Father, I thank you today, Lord, that your blessing rests on us and when we would raise our hand and we'd say, send me. Send me. I don't know what you're sending me to do, but I'm just willing to go and to send me apart. And Lord, we thank you for that heart residing, as David said, serve the Lord with gladness. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said, come into my heart, I want to live for you, I, I want to encourage you today that today's the best day to do that. In fact, all of us can say this prayer together. Let's all say this. All of us repeat this. But would you do this as you say it? Would you believe it in your heart? Pray along with me, everyone. Dear Lord, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And that he died for me. But he rose again. I accept him as my Lord. My Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Changing my life. Forgiving all my sins. And bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we close today uh, with a song,